listening to New Life the Fort, where the person of Jesus Christ and His love for you are shared. You know what I love about God? God simply says this. If you didn't see the promise manifest yet, don't worry. I'm going to reset to, uh, today for you. So that means tomorrow, when you step into it, becomes today. It's no longer tomorrow. It's no longer future. It's a present reality for you. So God is always, always in the business of today's. There's no time for him. He's always present. And so when he makes sure that he's there, he makes sure whatever he has said to you will come to pass. Amen. Amen. Well, we've been talking about thinking and mindsets. How many of you can actually say that your mindset has been changed in the last couple of weeks? You know, you're not thinking um, small thoughts anymore. You're dreaming bigger. I mean, come on, even bigger than you dreamt before. I'm not saying, let's just say you were only dreaming for this much. Now you're dreaming for this much. Yes? Okay. Well, something happened. That means your, cha- your mind was being changed in this process. And God wants us to know what he wants. He wants us to see what he sees. Okay? Ezekiel 40, verse 4, says this. Why does he want you to fix your mind on him? It says, and the man said to me, son of man, look with your eyes and hear with your ears. And fix your mind on everything I show you. For you were brought here so that I might show them to you. Now it says, declare to the house of Israel, or to New Life the Fort, everything you see. God wants you to be able to hear, and he wants you to be able to see what he's doing. See, the word is not just meant to be heard. The word is meant to manifest in the flesh. So that when it manifests, you have an experience with him that nobody can take from you. But it happens when we fix our mind on what we see. Now, see, it sounds funny when we say see because you hear. But when you hear something, it paints a picture in your mind, causing you to see something. Now, you should see bigger. Like earlier when we were talking about stepping out of the boat, there should have been a mental picture of you literally just going, okay, God, here I am taking one step and then taking the next out of the boat. Because I guarantee you, you just don't think words. You have pictures to those words. Amen. And God wants us to fix our mind on the things that he shows us. Why? Because he will make sure those things come to pass. That's just the way he works. He wants us to have a heavenly, eternal perspective. In Colossians 3, 1 to 2, it says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Now that word set is very interesting because the first definition is to cause to sit. Now it says here, set your mind. Rest your mind on the things of heaven, what God has already done and what God has already prepared for you instead of worrying about tomorrow, worrying about all the things of the earth. Sit down and relax. That's what God is trying to do. He's trying to get you to sit down and relax. As you've set your mind, as you fix your mind, focus your mind on him. The New Living puts it this way. 
Set your sights on the realities of heaven. See, God doesn't want the realities or the facts here on the earth to become your reality. He wants the truth of his word, what he has finished for you, to be your reality. Now, is there sickness in heaven? Wow, only three people answered. Let me tell you, there is no sickness in heaven. Is there any lack in heaven? Okay, more people know about that. That's good. Is there any form of brokenness in heaven? That's your reality. And that's what you need to remind yourself on a daily basis because your wallet is going to tell you otherwise. Your body is going to tell you otherwise. Even other people will tell you otherwise. You need to fix your mind, set your mind on the realities of heaven. Because when you do that, you know that whatever is happening around you is subject to change. It has to change. It doesn't even, it's not that it, it might change. It will change. As you focus on God and what he has done, the reality of heaven will happen on the earth because that's what God wants, heaven on earth. He doesn't want us to wait until we die and then we go to heaven. No, he wants us to experience all of heaven even right now. How is that even possible? By trusting him, by seeing that he's already done it for you so that you can experience it. The Message Bible puts it this way. So if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. I mean, if you believe this with all your heart, yes, this is true, then you're going to act like it. Because your believing will always lead you into an action. You either step out or you speak. So it says, act like it. Act like you really believe this. Then it says, pursue the things which, over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground. Absorb with the things right in front of you. Because if you're looking like this, you're never going to see anything. This is very limited. God wants to take the limits off what you see. He wants you to see further than this, cir- this circumstance or situation. There is more to life than this. That when you look up, what does it say? Look up and be alert to what is going on around Christ. Christ is seated in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion. That is his reality, and that is ours, because we are seated with Christ. The Bible says so. You have to settle in your mind that the Bible is true, because the world will tell you otherwise. They'll say, oh, that's not true. Can you prove it? Well, I can only prove what's happened in my life. The proof of what God does is in how we've changed. That's the proof. How can I prove anything else other than my life having been changed by his mere presence in my life? So to prove that God is alive and what he says is true, you have to be able to look at your own life. So you have to settle in your heart, in your mind, that the word of God is true. God does not lie. Now, are there things that we don't understand in the word? Yes. Do I let it bother me? No, because I know that my God is not a liar. So I'm going to focus on what he has said about me. So it says, look up and be alert to what's going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. God wants us to see with Jesus's eyes. He wants us to see what Jesus, what he sees in us. He wants us to see what he went through for us. And he wants us to see what's ahead of us. 
Because what he went through for us was to lead us into something far more glorious than anything we could ever think or imagine. A future that was already decided. A future that is bright. A future that is great. You may not feel that way right now. Maybe you're going through some things, some challenges. But I remember uh, Katie and Gabe had said this, look at every challenge as an opportunity. An opportunity for what? An opportunity for God to show up and take you out and make you a showcase to the world. Because that's what he'll do. Look to the people to your left and to your right. They're a showcase. They're a showcase of God's goodness and faithfulness, even right now. You're not sitting here by accident. God set you up for today. He set you up to receive something that, and it had nothing to do with me, but he set you up for something that he has in store for you. Amen. Now, as pastors, we're talking about a mindset for harvest. You know, we need to really believe that every time the word is spoken, there's going to be a result, that there's going to be fruit out of it, that we can expect a harvest. What type of harvest? If Jesus is sown because he is the incorruptible seed, then more of Jesus will be given. Jesus' health, Jesus' wealth, Jesus' prosperity, his wisdom, his wholeness, his, his completeness, that's what's available to us today. And that's what's being sown. Every time you hear the word, this is what's being sown. Because God can only do, Jesus can only do who he is. He can only manifest who he is. If Jesus is not just healer, he's healing. Jesus is not only provider, he is provision. So if anything you need, you will find it in Christ, in Jesus. Now, as we're looking at this harvest, for, uh, this mindset for harvest, I've got a question for you. What happens if the harvest, you don't receive the harvest right now? What do you need? What, what has to happen? What do you do? If you haven't received the manifestation of your harvest. So funny, some of you are like horrified. The look on your faces are so horrified. What? No, you know what it is? It's simply this. Keep on believing. In one word, be determined. Determined. Do we have it? Determined. Not yet? Well, we have something that looks like it. Okay. Determined. I love that bulldog. I want that bulldog. Okay. But I love the expression on his face because he's like, I'm determined. I'm going after you. Okay? But that's the same type of mindset that we need. Because you see, harvest is inevitable. It's going to happen. But we need to believe it. Because when we believe it, that's the only time we'll walk in it. If we believe it, then we realize it's not just for, it's not just for other people. It's for us too. Because you can look around and say, wow, that person is being blessed. Awesome. Look at the harvest. What's going on? Why not me? Well, do you believe it for you? God's the same. He's no respecter of persons. He's not going to go, well, I'll bless you. I won't bless you. I bless you. I won't bless you. He's not like that. He wants to bless everyone. He's put everyone on an equal playing field. So you and I need to be determined. Now, the reason I use the picture of a bulldog is because these dogs are very special. I seriously want a bulldog now that I've studied it. Now, I don't know if you've seen them. They don't grow very big. There are some maybe types of them, but they only grow to about this big. And a bulldog was actually bred to take down bulls. Bulldog. Ta-da! Okay. 
Actually, it only came to me when I was studying. I go, oh, that makes sense. Okay. So really what they were bred for was they were supposed to take down something much bigger than them. I said this earlier. Imagine a carabao in a bad mood. That's the type of animal this, this little dog is supposed to take down. And what it will do is it will jump up and grab the face of the, of the bull and not let go until the bull submits. Until it can bring the bull down to its level and eventually kill it. Now, I know it's kind of gory. Bear with me, okay? But that's what it's supposed to do. Now, imagine this little dog going after a bull. Bull is massive. Bigger, stronger, or at least it looks that way. Doesn't this sound like a story in the Bible? David and Goliath. And it's interesting that Goliath said, you send me this dog. So what he saw was a dog. And if you look at what the type of dog that David would have been, would simply, he would have been an adolescent. He wouldn't even have been a, he, or a puppy. He wouldn't have been a full-grown dog yet. He was able to take down a giant. The same way these dogs can take down a bull. Now what does that have to do with you and me? See, when a, when, a, when a bulldog latches on with its jaw, bites down, it will not let go. Okay? And when I say it will not let go, they, used to, they say that the jaws lock. So there's no way it can, it can move. Actually, the jaw is exactly like any other dog. It does not lock in place. So people are like, what's going on? Why, does a jaw, why won't it let go? Because the dog has a mentality that it will not let go and it will not give up. How strong is that, that they will not give up? You can kick the dog. You can beat the dog. You can try to pick up the dog and fling it around, but it will not let go of whatever is in its mouth. It has clamped down on it, and no matter what happens to its dying breath, it will hold on to that. You and I need to be the same when we clamp down on the word of God, his promise. Because when you bite down on the word of God, the Bible says you will taste and see his goodness. You bite down and hold fast to the word, to the promise he has given you, and you will see it come to pass. See, bulldogs don't take no for an answer. You don't, I mean, you can say no, but it will still latch on. Now, you train it as a puppy, of course, but if you're just looking at it from that perspective, that illustration, that it'll just hold on to it, it'll just grab hold of that promise, and literally, you can shoot at it, but it's not going to give up a hold. It will not lessen its bite. I was reading a story about that, and I just thought they tried to kill the dog, but the dog wouldn't let go. See, the devil's going to try and kill you, and he's going to try to hurt you, and he's going to try to maim you. But Jesus is the healer, he's the restorer, and he's going to get you through to the other side stronger than when you were beaten up. Because he's not going to allow you to stay the same way. But we have to make a choice to grab hold of that promise and not let go. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard this saying, that the mind, somebody who, who can memorize things, has a mind like a steel trap. Now, what is a steel trap? A steel trap is used to um, get uh, some bears or things like that. But it looks like a big open mouth, has very sharp metal teeth, 
made of steel, and it's a big piece on the floor that has a trigger. The moment that the, that the bear or animal steps on it, the thing will snap shut. But I love the saying, have a mind like an iron trap. Because that's the type of mind you and I need to have. That the moment we step in and we believe God for what he said to us, our mind snaps shut on it, and it's ours. The whole reason that there are, there are, there are traps like that is to capture. What are you trying to capture with your mind? Are you trying to capture the promises of God and say, wait, that's mine. That's why, pastors, we always encourage you guys to say amen. Because when you say amen, you're saying, that's mine. I grab hold of it. Snapshot. Because something comes alive on the inside of you. And you go, that's my promise. That's what God is speaking to me directly. Now, you may be the only one that says amen. But you'll be the only one that receives it. Amen. Amen. Come on. Praise God. So being determined, having this mindset means that you will not allow anyone or anything to stop you from moving forward. It means you're not weak and it means you're very decisive. You're not going to waver. You're single-minded. You're deliberate. You're steadfast. You're persistent. You're unshakable. You know, persistence pays off. I shared this earlier. When my son wants something, when he wants a marshmallow... He will follow me everywhere. Mommy, marshmallow. Mommy, marshmallow. Rafa, leave me alone, honey. I said no already. Mommy, marshmallow. Mommy, marshmallow. And I'm like, (sighs) bathroom, kitchen, bedroom. He's still there. Mommy, marshmallow. Mommy, marshmallow. After a while, you're like, okay, marshmallow, but just one. Now, God, doesn't. you don't even have to coax him to give it to you. He's more persistent in reminding you of the promise that he's given you. He's more determined for you to get it than you are to get it. That's God. He's the one who's persistently after you, reminding you day after day. Do you remember what I said? Do you remember what I said? Do you remember what I said? And you finally go, yes, I remember what you said. It's yours. Because the moment you say, yes, that's mine, it's yours. Snapshot. You've captured it. It's yours for the taking. So we need to have this bulldog mentality. You are never going to look at bulldogs the same way again. And you know what? For those that like dogs, they're good for children. Okay. Side note. Let's go on. Okay. So I want to take a look at somebody in the Bible who had this bulldog mentality. Or at least the Bible says that he had it. Okay. He's called the father of our faith. Now what is faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. Simply put, it's something that you believe in until it manifests. That's it. You believe in what Jesus has done, and then the manifestation has to follow. It has no choice, because you believe the word that will make sure that that will come to pass. You have the incorruptible seed that will make sure that you have incorruptible harvest. It cannot be taken from you. Amen, brother. Come on, you're going to get it all. Hallelujah. Not to say you won't. Okay. But Romans 4, 16 to 25 in the Message Bible talks about this man, Abraham. Now, we talk about Abraham a lot in this church. But it's good because we get to see a lot more about who he is and how he believed God. So verse 16 begins. This is why the fulfillment of God's promise 
or the manifestation or demonstration of God's promise depends entirely on trusting God and his way and then simply embracing him and what he does. You want to have, I like that, embracing. It's like that iron trap. Just wrap your arms around and said, I'm not letting you go. It's the same thing. But it says it depends entirely on trusting God. Trusting God is simply believing God for it. It's not complicated. But when you understand who he is, it's easier to trust him. It's easier to lean on him. Put your entire weight on him and say, Lord, you said so. So I believe. And when you believe it, you will receive it. It says God's promise arrives as pure gift. That's the only way everyone can be sure to get in on it. Those who keep the religious traditions and those who have never heard of them. For Abraham is father of us all. He's not our racial father. That's reading the story backward. He is our faith father. We call Abraham father not because he got God's attention by living like a saint, but because God made something out of Abraham when he was a nobody. How many nobodies in the house? Or you feel like you're a nobody? Well, you know what? God's already speaking to you. You're not a nobody. You're a somebody. And it says, isn't that what we've always read in Scripture? God saying to Abraham, I set you up as father of many peoples. Abraham was first named father and then became a father because he dared to trust God to do what only God could do. Raise the dead to life with a word, make something out of nothing. Now, I love how it said that at the end. With a word, make something out of nothing. Because God called Abraham father first. He used the word first and then made something out of nothing. What happened? God spoke father to him and then he became. When God speaks a promise to you, then it will become. It's inevitable. God speaks the word. It has to happen because he is determined to make good on his promises. And then it goes on to say, with, when, when everything was hopeless, have you ever faced a hopeless situation? Yes. When you look, it looks like there's no way out. It's impossible. God specializes in the impossible. It says that, when everything was hopeless, God, Abraham believed anyway, deciding not to live on the basis of what he saw he couldn't do, but on the basis of what God said he would do. See, when God told Abraham, you'll be a father, Abraham said, okay. Or for us, amen. So be it. You say so. I don't see it, but okay. Because God said he would do it. Now, I love it because you can actually say that when God spoke to Abraham, he, had, he said to Abraham. But you also have God saying God would be the one to do it. Through Abraham. And so he was made father of a multitude of peoples. God himself said to him, you're going to have a big family, Abraham. Abraham didn't focus on his own impotence and say, it's hopeless. This hundred-year-old body could never father a child. Nor did he survey Sarah's decades of in infertility and give up. He didn't tiptoe around God's promise, asking uh, cautiously skeptical questions. He plunged into the promise and came up strong, ready for God, sure 
sure, sure that God would make good on what he said. See, you don't have Abraham doing the cha-cha. One step back, cha-cha. Again, maybe? No, okay, I'll step back. He wasn't like that. He didn't tiptoe around it. Excuse me, God, am I going to get there? No, he jumped right in. With both feet, he jumped on in. He didn't care. It's like stepping out of the boat. Instead of just putting your foot out there, you take a running leap and fly out. And you just know that the, the water will catch you. How? You're not looking at the water. You're looking into Jesus. So you have Abraham here just believing God. Now, did Abraham have Ishmael? Some people aren't sure. Yes, he had Ishmael, okay? Ishmael was not the son of promise. Isaac was. But he had an Ishmael. Now, if he had an Ishmael, that simply means that, well, he didn't really believe God then. That's where grace comes in. Because when he didn't deserve it, when he tried to earn it, grace came in and said, wait, this is the son of promise. See, what Abraham did didn't stop God's promise from happening in Abraham's life. God just said, Abraham, get your eyes off that and focus on what I've already said. And he made it come to pass. God tries to get us off the mistakes that we've made. Because if we focus on that, he can't do anything. Because the focus is, oh, I did this, I did this. God goes, stop looking at what you did and look at what I did. Look at what I've said. Listen to that instead. So you have Abraham here who said, okay, I'll do it. And that's what God records. God records. He doesn't record. I mean, we see it in in the Old Testament, Ishmael. But when you're looking at this, it looks as if Abraham never, ever wavered in his believing. In the New Living Translation, it puts it this way. Abraham kept hoping and believing that he would become the father of many nations. Verse 20 says, Abraham never wavered. Wait a minute. I thought God doesn't lie. He doesn't. But you need to see things from his perspective. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. Well, technically, that's true. He just thought that this was the way of doing it. He didn't trust God to bring it to pass. He trusted himself. But he still believed that this was the promise. Maybe this was how it was going to happen. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. He was fully convinced There was nothing that was going to stop him from believing. Completely and absolutely, he believed God. And God didn't disappoint, did he? The hope that Abraham had was an anchor for him. And it wasn't an anchor for where he was presently. The anchor was far ahead of him so that when he grabbed hold of it, that would bring him into his future. So you have Abraham believing. See, Faith doesn't just remain a thought. It's not supposed to just remain a thought. It becomes the direction that you step towards and the target that you want to hit. There is a goal. And I love how Abraham, uh, God didn't just say what he was going to do to Abraham by making him father. He demonstrated it. He was the one who did it. Now, our determination comes from understanding how determined Christ was in doing what needed to be done. The strength of our resolve, the strength of our persistence 
comes from us knowing how Jesus went ahead of us. What it took for him to go and endure what he endured. Because he was determined. And when we understand that, that becomes a foundation for what we believe. Now let's look at Hebrews. Hebrews 12. 1 to 3 in the Message Bible. It says, do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way. All these veterans cheering us on. It means we'd better get on it. Strip down, start running, and never quit. See, you and I have already begun this race. But as we're running, we can get tired, and challenges will come, obstacles will be there. But it says, never quit. Because you're determined to get to the finish line. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it. Now, he didn't just say, look at it once. He said, study. And when you study, you give your entire attention to whatever the subject matter is. You listen and you read so that it becomes a part of you, so that you can begin to remember. There's something to remember in your memories. Study how he did it because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way. Cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor right alongside God. When you find yourselves flagging in your faith, when you find yourself getting weak in your hold, in your bite, it says, go over that story again. Item by item. Because every time you go over that story, item by item, every item, there's a strength that comes in. You're like, wait a minute, and your bite gets stronger. And then again, something else comes up, and you're looking, item, stronger, and stronger, and stronger. You're just not going to let go. That long litany of hostility, he plowed through. Only somebody who's determined can plow through. Because that means that they know where they're going and they're going to get there no matter what stands in their way. So he plowed through this. And when he did, and when you see that, that will shoot adrenaline into your souls. In the natural, you know, if you get scared, you have an adrenaline rush. And it can cause you to run fast, run out of that place. If you happen to be like in a fire, it gives you superhuman strength to be able to like lift things. That's adrenaline in the natural. But this talks about a spiritual adrenaline that races through our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions, and it gives us supernatural strength to do what? To keep on keeping on. To keep us moving forward. To get us to the destiny that God has for us. To the future that is great and bright that he's already prepared. Our determination is founded on Jesus. We determine to know him. We determine to see him. We determine to hear him. We choose that and we move on through. In Philippians 3, 12 to 14, Paul said it this way. He says, not that I've already attained, nor am I already perfected, but I press on. 
that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I don't count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Why does he say I press on? Because there are things that are going to press you. There's pressure that will come. But the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4, 8 and 9, it says, We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed or confused, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Verse 16 says, Therefore, we do not lose heart. It's like that dog, the the bulldog, as it grips something, even if you beat it, even if you press on it, it will not let go. And you and I are the same way. I declare that to you. You are exactly like that. You have this bulldog mentality, this bulldog tenacity that you're not going to let go of the promise of God, what he's already given you. You are determined to get to the other side. So despite any adversity or challenges that come your way, you're going to keep on moving forward because you're keeping your eyes ahead. Philippians 3, 12 to 16, Message Bible says this. I'm not saying that I have this all together or that I've made it, but I'm well on my way. Reaching out for Christ. Say it like that. I'm well on my way. Determination doesn't mean you're the fastest runner. It just means you're going to finish. And you're going to finish strong. You're not going to get there and go, oh, my God, I'm so glad I'm done. No, you're going to say, oh, my God, I bless your name. I'm here. I'm strong. I'm healthy. I'm done. And I thank you for the life that you've given me. So I'm so reaching out for Christ who so wondrously reached out for me. Friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert in all of this. But I've got my eye on the goal. You cannot be determined if you have no idea where you're going. What are you determined for? What are you looking at? We're looking at a goal and a prize that is incomparable to anything else in the world. There is nothing that the world can offer you, no counterfeit that can lead you to something more glorious than Jesus. I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. God is your biggest cheerleader. He's there going, come on, son, come on, daughter, let's go. We're going to Jesus, come on, come on. And when you know that he's there and he's cheering you on and he's running right beside you, you're like, okay, let's do this. What happens? A strength comes. You're stronger. You're like, yes, I determined I'm going to finish this race and I'm going to finish strong. I'm not going to be weak in this. See, when God is the one cheering you on, weakness has to disappear. It's not because it's anything you did, but all of a sudden, knowing that he's there with you, the Bible says he's never going to give up on you. In fact, this is not in my notes, but can you go to Hebrews 13? Amplified Bible says this, Hebrews 13, verse 5. It says this, For he, God himself, has said, I will, n- I will not in any way fail you, nor give up on you, nor leave you without support. 
That's why he's saying, come on, son, come on, daughter, let's go. I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake, nor let you down, relax my hold on you, assuredly not. This is God. I like the fact how he says, relax my hold on you. He's not going to relax his hold on you. What does that mean? He's holding on. He's determined to get you to the destination that he's set for you. Amen. So it says to Jesus, I'm off and running and I'm not turning back. So let's keep focused on that goal. Those of us who want everything that God has for us. How many of you want everything that God has for you? Then you know what? It's as simple as this. Keep your eyes on Jesus. It says, if any of you has anything else in mind, something less than total commitment, God will clear your blurred vision. You'll see it yet. Now that we're on the right track, let's stay on it. See, knowing that Jesus is our purpose gives us the strength to continue on. Because the Bible says that he is the author and the finisher of our faith. The one who initiates it, the one who ends it. That's Jesus. He started us on this race. But it's a race that we're not trying to win. We're already winners. We've already won this race victoriously. But what he wants us to enjoy this journey with him. He's running with us. He's running alongside of us. But yet he's also there at the end of the race saying, come on. You're almost there. Now, this could be many years, okay? I'm not saying you're going to go anytime soon. But I'm simply saying is you're almost there. Come on. Keep on keeping on. Don't give up. Yes, challenges are in the way. Don't worry. I'll take care of it. Keep your eyes on me. And Paul was the same way. In Philippians 3.10 in the Amplified Bible, it puts it this way. He puts it this way. For my determined purpose... My determined purpose, the reason why I'm alive, the reason that I do what I do, is that I may know him. The reason I'm on this race and I'm running is because I want to know him. I want more of him. It says that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person. Not the wonders of what he can do for you, but the wonders of who he is. Our Jesus, more strongly and more clearly. And that I may, in the same way, come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection, which it exerts over believers. There's power. There's power to finish this race. God did not leave you alone. He didn't ask you to run this race without him. He says, I'm with you. I will not, I will not, I will not leave you. And if God is that determined to make sure that you get there, as I focus on Jesus, that determination on the inside of me rises up and I'm not going to let anything stand in my way. If there's a symptom in my body, the reality is Jesus has already healed me. If I'm lacking things and I'm like, Lord, there are bills to be paid, I look to Jesus and Jesus goes, don't worry, I've already taken care of it. Your debt has been paid. That's our Jesus. Allow more of him to just do something on the inside of you.
that something rises up and you say, no, wait a minute, I'm not giving up. I'm going ahead. I'm walking, he's walking with me, and we're walking towards this destiny. Nothing that the enemy will throw in my way is going to stop me. No obstacle. I'm going to leap over the obstacle. I'm going to go around the obstacle. I'm going to go through that obstacle. But nothing is going to stand in my way. This is our Jesus. And the more that we determine to see and hear and study and never give up, you find yourself walking in all that he has already planned for you. Because you're exactly like that bulldog. Until you bring that down to where you are at, you're not going to give up. It's like grabbing all the things of heaven and saying, I'm not going to give up. That's going to come down to my level. And I'm going to be able to enjoy it. I'm going to be able to, it's going to be tangible, something I can touch, something that I can see, something that I can experience. Not just for myself, but for other people to see that what I believe, whom I believe in, is true. And if he never gave up, he, if he never gave up on me, I'm not going to give up on him. He rises up on the inside of you. He'll get you through. Amen. Did you get something today? So this week, let me tell you, I see a whole bunch of determined people that are not going to let go of the promises of God, but are going to find as many as they can chew on so that they can wait and they can see it manifest in their life. Amen. Well, could I ask you all to close your eyes and bow your heads? I just want to give people an opportunity. If you're here for the first time or you've been coming to this church and something's stirring on the inside of you, I can tell you this. This is Jesus. He's calling out your name. He wants you to have a personal relationship with him, not just head knowledge. He wants to so fill your heart with who he is that the dreams that you were dreaming will be small in comparison to what he puts there. You may have not received Jesus before, but the, today is the day. He wants to come on in, and he wants to give you life forevermore. Life that will be so abundant that it overflows. So if you're here today, and you've never received Jesus into your heart, the Bible says that you believe that Jesus is Lord, and you confess it with your mouth, you will be saved. Jesus is Lord. That is the reality. And he will make sure that all that he is will be manifested in your life as you believe him for greater days. So as a congregation, we will pray with you. We will speak it from our mouth and declare this to be so. So congregation, let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you gave me Jesus. You freely gave me the very best that you could offer. Today, I receive Jesus into my heart. And I determine to know him better. Because I know he is determined to show himself strong for me. I expect the greatest days of my life to unfold before my very eyes. Because you are with me. And you will never leave me. I am yours forever. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening. 
For more information, please visit our website at newlifethefort.com.